This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Tracheostomy Troubleshooting by Dr. Stephen D. Rosenblatt and Dr. Nicholas E. Walter. My name is Stephen Rosenblatt, and I'm a pediatric otolaryngologist. In this lecture, we will discuss common issues managing tracheostomy tubes. If you have not viewed the tracheostomy primer video, please do so before watching this video. In pediatric medicine, it's not uncommon to encounter infants and children with tracheostomies. Here, we will review common tracheostomy-related problems and outline the initial management steps in a case-based fashion. I have no disclosures for this video. Please remember, this is in no way a comprehensive review of tracheostomy management, and it is always critical to keep in mind that the tracheostomy tube may represent a child's only airway. This lecture will hopefully help provide a framework for your response to common tracheostomy-related issues with the understanding that scenarios are often more complex than the ones presented in this lecture. And remember, never be afraid to ask for help. Case number one. You're paged by a nurse in the middle of the night about your patient with a tracheostomy tube. She tells you that she was trying to suction through the tube and is now having difficulty passing the suction catheter. While on the phone with the nurse, initial questions should include, is the patient desaturating? Are they hemodynamically stable? Are there changes in the ventilation parameters? Were there any instigating factors, like changes in position, that may be easily correctable? If there are any signs of instability, instruct the nurse to call a code and proceed immediately to the bedside. You should also ask if there's a flashlight, overhead light, or headlamp available for your use. If not, ensure that you bring one or that one can be provided for you. You should ask if the patient has IV access and is there appropriate oxygen delivery set up in the room. As you're heading over to evaluate the patient, you should consider the following differential. Is this a problem with the tracheostomy tube itself or is this a problem with the trachea? Tube-related issues may include crusting within the tube from dried blood or mucus or displacement of the tracheostomy tube from the trachea. And always ask yourself, why does this patient have a tracheostomy and are they intubatable from above? Common tracheal issues can include changes in neck position so that the lumen of the tube is facing the anterior or, more commonly, the posterior tracheal wall, or sitting in a tracheal diverticulum that resulted from an anatomic abnormality, prior injury, or surgery. Or the presence of granulation tissue formation around the tip of the tracheostomy tube from local irritation. Once you arrive in the patient's room, remember to approach the issue in a stepwise fashion. First, assess the patient's overall clinical picture. Are they stable? Do they have increased work of breathing? What is their oxygen saturation? Are they at their baseline mental state? If the patient is experiencing severe oxygen desaturations, significantly increased work of breathing, or changes in mental status, this is a red flag and you should call for help immediately, which may require calling a code or otolaryngology stat. If the patient is clinically stable, try the following steps. Try gently passing the suction yourself. If it's getting stuck, try to get a sense of where this is occurring, either within the lumen of the tube or distal to the tube itself. If the tracheostomy tube has an inner cannula, 
try replacing it with a new one, and then try passing the suction again. If there's no inner cannula, try instilling a small amount of sterile saline, no more than 2 cc's or so, into the tracheostomy tube lumen, followed by gentle suction with a flexible suction catheter to loosen up any dry crusts, blood, or mucus. Select the largest suction catheter that easily fits within the tracheostomy tube lumen. You'll likely need to suction a few times to clear a crust or mucus plug. Point of clarification. Consider bag ventilation with assistance from a respiratory therapist or nurse when performing suctioning of a tracheostomy. If saline suctioning doesn't help, try repositioning the patient. If a change in positioning preceded the problem, try returning the patient to a neutral resting position. If not, try positioning the patient supine with the neck gently extended if not otherwise contraindicated. If none of these maneuvers helped, the tracheostomy tube may need to be replaced. If this is a well-established tracheostomy tract, changes may be performed by respiratory therapy or by an experienced member of the primary team. Replacement should not be attempted without a specialist present if there's a fresh tracheostomy or if there's a history of difficult tracheostomy tube changes, unless it's an emergency. If you still can't pass suction after the previous steps, or if the patient's condition does not allow you to perform these steps safely, call otolaryngology for assistance, as tracheoscopy may be required. Case number two. The nurse pages you regarding a patient with a tracheostomy tube. He just noticed some bright red blood coming from the tracheostomy site. While on the phone, you want to ensure that there is an appropriate suction and oxygen delivery setup ready for you in the room. You should also ensure that the patient has IV access and is on a monitor. Again, lighting, ideally hands-free, will be needed. While going to see the patient, remind yourself of any relevant history, including indications for the tracheostomy, how long the tracheostomy has been in place, and if the patient is anticoagulated or has a coagulopathy. Upon entering the room, ensure the patient is connected to a monitor and assess their overall clinical stability. If the patient is hemodynamically unstable or if there are significant changes in the patient's baseline status, don't be afraid to call a code and otolaryngology stat. Tracheostomy bleeding should be thought of in two distinct categories. Number one, bleeding from around the tracheostomy tube, that is, bleeding from the wound itself, or bleeding from within the tracheostomy tube. In your initial evaluation, try to determine if the bleeding is coming from around the tracheostomy tube or from within the tracheostomy tube lumen. Use a light to examine the tracheostomy site and have suction ready. Have an assistant support the tracheostomy tube so that you may safely manipulate the flanges of the tube or remove the dressing to visualize the site. As you examine the site, in addition to determining the location of the bleeding, try to assess the rate of bleeding. A slow ooze will have a different differential diagnosis than a pulsatile bleed, and oftentimes slow bleeding can be managed conservatively. Bleeding from around the tracheostomy site is not uncommon. This is seen most often in the early postoperative period and usually relates to bleeding from the surgical site itself. Common sources of bleeding can be from the wound edges, the thyroid gland, or the anterior jugular veins. In the early stages, fresh wound edges may ooze after surgery. Later on, granulation tissue near the wound edges may form and bleed intermittently. If it appears that the bleeding is coming from the tracheostomy wound itself, and if the patient has a cuff tracheostomy tube in place, ensure the cuff is up to prevent blood from going down the airway. Next, take a clean gauze and apply gentle pressure over the bleeding region. It's okay to apply pressure directly over the flanges of the tracheostomy tube. 
constant pressure should be held for about five to 10 minutes, and often this will be enough to stop the bleeding. Remember to intermittently suction through the tracheostomy tube to ensure blood isn't going down into the airway. If bloody secretions are coming from the tube, suctioning with saline squirts will help to clear the clots. If local pressure alone doesn't address the bleeding, or if there's active bleeding coming from the lumen of the tracheostomy tube, call otolaryngology. Point of clarification. Bleeding from lumen of the tracheostomy tube can represent the following. Granulation tissue of the trachea, possibly from tracheal infection, inflammation, or overzealous suctioning. Or erosion of the tracheostomy tube into a great vessel such as the innominate artery. In this case, a sentinel bleed from the trachea may be a warning of a major bleeding event forthcoming. Calling otolaryngology will result in fiber-optic examination of the trachea and determination of the source of the bleeding and urgency of the problem. In patients with a coagulopathy or on anticoagulants, bleeding will likely not be addressed by local measures alone, and correction of their coagulopathy is often necessary. Case number three. The nurse pages you about a patient with a tracheostomy because the vent is now alarming. Peak pressures are higher than baseline. While on the phone, ask about the patient's oxygen saturation and tidal volumes. Significant decreases in these parameters can suggest an impending decompensation and need to be attended to emergently with more senior help. Again, you'll want to ensure that you'll have adequate lighting, suction, and oxygen delivery when you arrive in the patient's room. The patient should also be on a monitor. As you're walking to the patient's room, again, review the initial indication for the tracheostomy and if this is a new or established tracheostomy. Your differential diagnosis will include problems with the tracheostomy tube, problems with the trachea, or a primary pulmonary issue. Of course, you'll also need to consider a primary mechanical issue too, as the problem can be with the equipment itself. Upon entering the room, assess the overall clinical condition and stability of the patient. If the patient is unstable, don't be afraid to call a code. And if a primary tracheostomy issue is suspected, call otolaryngology. Assuming the patient is stable, first, assess the tube for obstruction by removing the inner cannula if present or attempting gentle suction with saline. This may help remove crusting or mucus that is obstructing the tracheostomy tube. If the problem persists after gentle suctioning, try repositioning the patient's supine with gentle neck extension if not otherwise contraindicated. If repositioning doesn't help, it's possible that the tracheostomy tube may have become dislodged from the trachea and entered a false passage between tissues, or may not be completely in the airway. This may be apparent by an inability to pass a suction and difficulty with ventilation. In this case, the tracheostomy tube will need to be replaced to ensure appropriate positioning. If this is a well-established stoma, the tracheostomy change could be attempted by respiratory therapy or by an experienced member of the primary team. Otherwise, otolaryngology should be called as a tracheoscopy may be needed to ensure proper positioning and to rule out a more distal obstruction. Point of clarification. If the tracheostomy tube is to be changed, be aware of the child's airway status and have a backup plan in order to maintain the airway. Determine whether the patient is intubatable from above, if bag mask ventilation is possible, and if you can intubate with an endotracheal tube through the stoma. If the tracheostomy tube itself is okay, the issue may be in the trachea or below. Problems with the trachea may include obstruction from crusting, mucus, granulation tissue, or tracheomalacia, 
but you should also consider problems below the trachea in the lungs themselves. Pneumothorax or pneumomediastinum should be considered in patients with recently inserted tracheostomy tubes or patients with high ventilatory pressures. Exacerbation of a pre-existing pulmonary problem or congestive heart failure in a cardiac patient may also occur and should be worked up in the usual manner. Chest auscultation and a chest x-ray are very helpful in these situations. Ultimately, if the problem can't be resolved with any of these measures, call otolaryngology for help. Case number four. The nurse calls you about a patient with a tracheostomy tube. During routine trach care, the trach appears to have come out and is no longer properly seated in the stoma. The first two things you want to know are, number one, is the patient stable? And number two, is this a fresh trach or not? If the patient is unstable, alert the code team. If this is a fresh trach, or if there is any history of difficult trach changes, call otolaryngology. Once the trach tube is out, the main goal is to reestablish a functional, safe airway. The etiology of the problem can be considered after the airway has been restored. Call for help immediately, which can include the nurse, a respiratory therapist, or one of your more experienced colleagues. Assuming the patient is stable, upon entering the room, first assess vital signs, and if possible, ensure that the patient is on a monitor. Adequate lighting that allows you to have your hands free is critical. A headlight is ideal. Remember to reassess vital signs frequently and consider the indication for the tracheostomy tube, as well as intubation history. If the trach was performed for upper airway obstruction, the tracheostomy tract may be the patient's only airway. If the trach is the only airway, then a trach needs to be reinserted urgently. This is best done by experienced personnel, but we have outlined the basic steps of performing a trach change. In any instance, if vital signs become unstable, the code team and otolaryngology should be called. If this is a fresh trach, prior to the first trach change, stay sutures will still be in place. These are two sutures that are placed during the procedure on either side of the opening into the trachea. They will be taped to the patient's neck or chest and marked right and left, or less frequently, up and down based on which side of the tracheostomy hole they're attached to. To aid with insertion, they are untaped from the chest, grasped securely, and then pulled up and outwards in the direction indicated on the marking. This will bring the trachea up to the skin and open the stoma like a book, significantly aiding reinsertion. After the first tracheostomy tube change, stay sutures are typically removed. This is because the tract is usually matured and the stay sutures are not required. To replace a trach, if possible, Lie the patient's supine with a small blanket or towel rolled under their shoulders to extend the neck. This will help expose the tracheostomy site and make insertion easier. The obturator should be inserted into the tracheostomy tube prior to attempting reinsertion. Then, under direct visualization, reinsert the tracheostomy tube using the stay sutures if indicated. A small amount of lubricant may be helpful. You may also use an assistant or your non-dominant hand to help retract the skin around the stoma, giving yourself better exposure. It's not uncommon to find a small amount of resistance at the stoma itself, but if significant resistance is met, consider using a smaller size tracheostomy tube or placing an endotracheal tube through the stoma. While inserting the tracheostomy tube, it's helpful to begin with the device rotated 90 degrees towards you so the patient's chest does not get in the way. Once the tip of the tube has passed the stoma, gently rotate the device following the natural curve of the trachea. Then, 
remove the obturator, insert the inner cannula if present, and connect the circuit if the patient is on a ventilator. Once the tracheostomy tube is replaced, ensure that a suction catheter can be passed easily before performing positive pressure ventilation. This will help ensure proper positioning and prevent ventilating a false tract. Remember, always make sure someone has a hand on the tracheostomy tube until it's secured with a tie. Tracheostomy ties should be snug, allowing one small finger to fit between the ties and the neck. If the ties are too loose, the tracheostomy tube will move within the stoma, which can lead to bleeding, granulation tissue, false tracking, or allow the trach to fall out. If a tracheostomy tube or endotracheal tube can't be reinserted into the tracheostomy stoma in a patient with upper airway obstruction, otolaryngology should be called immediately. A surgical tracheostomy kit should be available upon their arrival. In patients with indications other than upper airway obstruction, remember that bag mask ventilation and oral intubation are always an option. In this case, you need to finger occlude the tracheostomy site while bag mask ventilating to create a closed circuit. If the patient requires orotracheal intubation, the endotracheal tube cuff must be at the level of or below the tracheostomy site to prevent air escape. This concludes our discussion on managing common tracheostomy issues. In this video, we discussed basic troubleshooting of issues including difficulty passing suction, bleeding, difficulty with oxygenation and ventilation, and managing a dislodged tracheostomy tube. Remember, airway issues should always be attended to urgently and never be afraid to ask for help. Thank you for watching. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.